0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Ethics in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull?
2: Ain't no easy answer. There's something I know. But now it's time to play that banjo. Football's our favorite, but won't you please take note? We see it's got some problems, we're all in the same boat. Reckoning with football's past, I reckon you better paddle fast.
1: Welcome to Banjo College Football. My name is Kevin Paul. I'm hosting the world's most ethical college football podcast. Joining me, as always, are uh, two men, one who seems to be doing fine and one who may be irreparably broken. Uh, I'll let you guys decide who is who. Fellas, how are we?
2: You can't be broken when you've become the Joker. (laughs) It's really, it's really quite simple. Um, pray,
1: pray, tell Andrew, why have you become the Joker? Can you elaborate? I, I missed a lot on Saturday, so. You know.
2: Well, see, my preferred presidential candidate suffered an excruciating loss early in the day. Um, <laughs> um, something that he apparently still is yet to concede. No, uh, I, I'm, I'm currently listed on this call as voter fraud advocate um but i think i'm gonna change it to uh jt daniels knee lesion um because uh that, that is a that is a phrase that i have heard far too many times try to explain away uh why this is feeling like uh calling for the days of grace and lambert at quarterback um, but I'm sure that we will we will get to all things election and uh, Georgia football. Rippy, how you doing?
0: I'm just chilling. I would say that accurately describes like the last week of my life because like Ole Miss was off last week, and this seemed like really the first week since probably late September where you had obviously the COVID issues with Florida, LSU, and the Missouri Vandy. This seemed to be the first week it tipped back up. I gave up trying to figure out who won the presidential election at about 11 p.m. on Tuesday night. I was with MC. We were going to, like, made this plan. We're going to stay up and watch it. And when it became apparent that this, nothing was going to come of this within 48 hours, I was like, all right, to hell with this. I'm going to bed. Like, I think I know who probably won this thing, but I'm just going to wait until I, like, see it somewhere else. Like, I've just checked out of that. Then Ole Miss doesn't have a game. So I really just kind of, like, dawdled through last week and just in a trance. Like, it's really about it. Yeah, I, I've really
2: started to um I mean when football season comes around, I feel like the only way that you're able to get through the weeks is like, all right, I got like a trip planned some to some bullshit uh town in the southeast in two or three weeks that'll get me through these these couple of days of monotonous work. And now that like those things are canceled, the weddings are canceled and like you're kinda you're kinda just staring at the end of the year like I mean, I guess I'm sitting here with my thumb up my ass and a shitty football team to watch for the next 50 or 60 days. Like, (laughs) this isn't ideal.
1: Yeah, Andrew, that's a great point. We just, as people that grew up, you know, as football fans in SEC country, like, the entire fall season does revolve around football in one way or another. It's just natural. Even when I moved to New York, I had, like, a couple trips planned to Bama games, and it sort of revolved around those. And that's just (laughs) gone
0: it's it's awful like so my parents have been tailgating for Ole Miss games since I guess it'd be about four or five years since before I was alive so right out about 30 years and you know they've gone up to Oxford one time this year just to be in the town while there was a game going on and like they hung out at the condo like went to their neighbors ordered some food or whatever but like every time I talk to them now it's like what are y'all doing this weekend they're like Nothing pretty depressing, and like they're just like they don't know what to do with themselves in the fall. This is what they've done seven out of you know twelve Saturdays in the fall for you know, thirty years, and now they just feel kind of lost every time I talk to them.
2: And I mean, th- not to uh, belabor the the Georgia point, but
1: no, there- let's belabor it.
2: Offense <laughs> 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 is fucking short of what, but um, the, the something that has been like we have been uh screaming or at least the LSU fans I've been around have been screaming fake season fake season and I I don't I I don't think that it's a fake season but there has been like it feels a lot like baseball does and in the sense that I don't know if y'all get this feeling but like It has started to feel extremely regional in the sense that, like, every conference is just doing their own fucking thing. Pac-12 football started last week. Like, I got really, really into the... I mean, like, I'm like any normal, and by normal, I mean fucking irony-poisoned, brain-dead football sycophant. But, like, I... I feel like I'm a normal football fan in the sense that, like, if we lose a game, if Georgia loses a game, I'm turning off football for the rest of the day. Like, I don't really want to see it. Like, I wake up the next day like, oh, fuck, that was annoying. Like, the nature of college football, if you lose one or two games, your season's kind of over. And now I feel like it's become, when I say baseball and regionalized, I mean, like, you really care about your team, but you don't kind of give a shit about the rest of the season of the college football product. Like when Georgia came on, I really, really cared about the Georgia, Florida game. And then when we lost, it was like, I turned on the Clemson note, like Notre Dame, like it was just like, I, and then I didn't even watch the second half of that game, even though it was a good game. And so it was just this way. I like, I put on a movie, which never fucking happens. And so I, I get this, and maybe this is just me trying to uh, distract ourselves from the fact that we've started an 11-string quarterback against Florida for the second time in five years. Um, but I don't know. What do, what do y'all think? I guess, Rippy, this is more apt since you're not a fan of the number one team in the country. but
0: I agree. But to me, the, what you're talking about, about it becoming regionalized, to me, is because of the way the different leagues have been handled and r- really more so the number of games. Like, whether – Whether starting the season in late September, honestly, if you really want to look back at it now with the way you see the coronavirus is like ravaging even the NFL and college football, like wouldn't they have almost been smarter? It probably wasn't logistically possible to get this out of the way early August and October, right before this like sixth season comes up, right? Seems like what might have been the prudent play, but that's neither here nor there. I guess what I'm saying is you can debate whether it was the right choice when to start or to start at all. But now you, like, I feel when I watch an ACC game, it feels kind of legit. Same with Big 12, same with SEC. But you're about to see a couple Pac-12 and a couple Big 10 teams play five-game seasons. And that, to me, is where it just be kind of comes like, okay, this isn't really real. And so that's where it's a hang-up for me. It's like at least the other three conferences are getting 10 games in, so I kind of feel like there's a body of work and a slow build to all of this where it's just hard to like find that with the five game season, like with the two pack 12 cancellations last week, I was like, oh, this is just going to be uninteresting from the start.
1: Exactly. Like, I like Wisconsin. I, you know, I didn't follow them that much of the all season, but it felt like, you know, as they are most years, there's going to be like a top 12, top 15 type of program. And they had to cancel their first two games. And with big 10 policies, like those games just aren't going to be made up. So Wisconsin's going to play what eight games max this season. And it, it would be one thing if they just, if the conferences came out and said, look, we're going to do our own thing this year. We are not going to quali- try to qualify for the playoff or whatever. But no, it's like Ohio State's going to go 6 and 0 and try to get into the college football playoff
2: this year. Yeah, but that implies that there are qualifications to get into the college football playoff.
1: Yeah, but I feel like only six games, like less than eight games, should kind of be disqualifying in its own right. Right? Like, I they- just – they would
2: put this podcast in the college football playoff before they put in BYU.
1: Look, <laughs> <Dude>, i <I'm laughs> the- more money goes far, baby. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about
0: that. That's, uh, that's what's going to be fascinating by the end of this. KB, I agree. The pro- the, I guess the biggest gripe I have in terms of looking at this whole thing, and it's easy to second-guess people, but the idea if you were going to start late and play a truncated season – to not allow for any sort of makeup dates or bye weeks is just asinine. After watching what happened with the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 the first couple of weeks, whatever you make of Sankey and his leadership and all of that, at least they filled out the schedule to where, okay, this is like shit's hitting the fan right now. Let's play this December 12th. And now they've got three or four games and you're going to have an almost an extra weekend. You're probably going to end up having four or five games on December 12th. I don't understand the Big Ten and the Pac-12 being like we're going to be able to play six, seven straight weeks with no problems. That part is did not make sense. How can you not pack in some sort of truncated bye week or something? And the the ironic
2: part about all of this is the the way that we're seeing these outbreaks occur, like March and April, it was the Northeast. Then, kind of over the summer, you saw it in the South and the Midwest. While things were not. I mean, it was bad everywhere, but, like, relatively, they weren't breaking out there. That was when they were being smart and saying we're not going to play football. And now, just by the the nature of the geography of this country, you have that – the Midwest is now going to be forced indoors for, I mean, a period of a couple of months because of the weather while the coronavirus is spiking in that region. And so, I mean – i could be i could be just crazy and i i know that uh i am
1: well a, you, you are let's get that out of the way
2: yeah I'm, i i well i'll say this in short i know i am a uh an absurd supporter of a red school who has hired a prodigal son head coach but thank fucking god i'm not a nebraska fan
1: oh, <laughs> oh man the ne- nebraska football it's for those who don't know, they they are the the leader in the clubhouse of can I speak to the manager uh, in college football? Uh, you know, beating the drum for the Big Ten over the summer to restart the season. Where you know, Ohio State, obviously, you know, as the brand with the most to gain from playing this season in that conference, Iowa, which was kind of strange, but you know, they're a lifelong Big Ten member, and it made sense for them to want to keep those traditions up. And that old Big Ten stalwart Nebraska, who has been in the conference for so long—I think nine years now—and they demanded their divine right to go five and seven again this season.
2: It's going to be fun when that five and seven turns into like one and four.
1: <laughs> I mean, they were both eligible from September on or October on. Yeah, it's good. This is year three for Scott Frost, right? Has it been? Yes. It it looks like Bill Callahan era Nebraska at this point. It's going backwards somehow. (laughs) We've talked
0: about this before. That and I say Tennessee. I guess there's a chance that it changes. But you talk about the Mount Rushmore school as to where it's just never happening again as bad as their fan base wants it to happen. Nebraska is the leader in the clubhouse again. Like it's never happening again. (laughs) Because, like, even Penn State and even Miami and, like,
2: I mean, we've mentioned Tennessee and Texas, like, at least at the fucking, like, they qualify for bowl games in seasons where everyone doesn't qualify. I mean, this is, uh, now, now, living in Baton Rouge, I probably shouldn't speak down upon teams that lose to Troy, but, like, this is a team that is, like, losing to the Troys of the world. Like, Nickel State is taking them to the wire, as a Georgia fan probably shouldn't shit on teams who Nickel State takes to the wire, but they, 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 neither here nor there. Like, this is not a team that is competing on, I, I mean, if you want to look at it in an S&P perspective, what, a, a top 70? Like, are they even in the top half of the FBS?
1: Probably not, and I, I, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while on why it can't happen for Nebraska. And I think those other schools you named there, there is a path for that simply because of where they are. Like if Tennessee just recruits East Tennessee well, and they take back their share of Memphis, they'll be fine. Same for Miami, same for Texas, but ne- Nebraska does not benefit from being in Nebraska. The amount of players they've had to pull from California when they were really good is obscene. And you just can't do that anymore. Um, their facilities are great, but they were good what in the seventies to the nineties because they were the first program to really embrace a strength program. And now, you know what sports no, were fucking fake before nineteen eighty, dude. Our, <laughs> oh, maybe,
2: maybe you should not smoke cigarettes at halftime. Yeah,
1: and Andrew, wow. our our high school probably has better facilities now than Nebraska did in like nineteen eighty-four, right? So that <laughs> so that doesn't matter anymore. They somehow found a weird way around. I think it was prop um 67 or something that allowed ineligible players to still sign. Now everybody has a good compliance department in the FBS. So that's not an advantage anymore either. Uh, you
2: got an email address to direct us to a good
0: one. <laughs> speaking of of the storylines we could have ranked coming into this, uh Pastor Hugh is up there. He's a uh, his name is kind of like the hot commodity to be the next uh, preacher slash head football coach at some school. It's uh, – Pastor Hugh's got it going on right now. and he uh, I know he had that Roth Dillinger article last week where his family's paid a great price. And I just feel terribly for him because of that. The, the,
2: the ultimate goal here has to be like Hugh Freeze gets liberty to outlay a – a a big stadium to where they can just play football games at night, he sleeps there and then runs mega church in the morning, right?
0: (laughs) What would be the funniest school he ends up at next? Liberty is is, (laughs) um, Stanford University. Honestly, honestly, if if the piss and miss does not happen last November and Matt Luke is a lame duck head coach entering this year. I, could you not see the stars aligning for that? If Matt Luke had stuck around one more year, they sucked again, which they would have, and then he gets canned in this April, December or whatever, the path to Hugh Freeze back to Oxford and back to Funkies would be just almost tailor-made.
1: Ole Miss has no moral high ground over the University of Louisville, so I can absolutely see them pulling a Petrino and bringing him back.
0: Oh, it would be just—I don't even know what I would think about that. But outside Ole Miss, where would be the funniest place you could go? I could probably argue. Ribby, you were saying if we're talking lame ducks
2: and we're talking about fake evangelicals failing their way into power, I think there might be an opening at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs>
1: But Before we go, I think the funniest school for Freestand up at is South Carolina because you've basically got Hugh Freeze recruiting against Kirby Smart and Dabo Swinney year in, year out, and that's just quite entertaining on so many different fronts. It would happen again. I think he would land kids.
0: I don't think he would land all of them, but I think he would land enough to where Kirby and Dabo kind of look at each other after a while and be like, how do we get this fucker out of here?
2: He would be more annoying than Will Muschamp. I guarantee you that, which is (laughs) – I mean. Really hard to do I mean I I, I, I don't I don't know where so, so we operate I think on like Two dueling timelines because you have One where it's like it's Hugh Freeze This is going to be the only thing that he's ever Known for is fucking burner phones And strippers and then there's this other One where it's like Nothing is real and news doesn't Matter since the Years that he's been fired from Ole Miss And so like you, we do operate on this like our brain can't even h- handle the information that he once uh, made an egregious act to get him fired. Now in 2021, um, he's just the head coach at Liberty who seems to be doing well. Might as well usher him back into to Power 5 football.
0: He wins everywhere he goes. For all of his flaws, he went 12-1 and one at Lambeth, whatever that is. He won at Arkansas State. He won rapidly at Ole Miss. Like The guy knows how to coach football. It's just he's not a – not the greatest human. No, I he's mean,
1: exactly. Okay. He's the best human.
0: Okay,
2: so yeah. So, so wait, hear, hear me out. And after you you hear this name, I think y'all might start laughing. But what happens if old Dave Aranda's keeps sucking next year?
1: <laughs> oh man is is he, is Hugh Freeze Baylor's brand of Christian? that's I like mean, super bad, like super Southern Baptist down there. Is that is that Hugh's brand, Rippy Do you know?
0: It's their brand. I mean, no, because because if Hugh acted, if, if Hugh behaved behind the scenes the way he, the way he acts publicly, yes. But what Hugh says and what Hugh actually does, he would really start to rub people the wrong way in uh, in Waco is the way I would describe well,
2: that. Well, this man Art Briles was the coach there for like. Seven years.
1: Art Briles didn't do the bad shit. He just enabled it. Big difference there, Andrew.
2: I don't know about that. I don't know if there is a difference. We're all talking about sweeping shit under the rug.
1: At least Briles
0: was not openly defiant about how great of a person he was while all that was going on. He just kind of left room for there to be questions. Yeah.
2: I would argue that Briles is more of a morally reprehensible human being than Freeze. Freeze just wanted to get some on the
0: side. Freeze is a narcissist. I don't think he's totally morally bankrupt. I think he's just a narcissist. Where Bryles, I think, is just completely morally bankrupt.
2: Well, freeze, freeze is just fucking like freeze is is uh scheduling a uh, press conference at the Four Seasons landscaping company type funny. Like it's just it (laughs) like like you can you can't help but just be like, oh, you like you just. You just wanted to get your dick sucked. You don't like your wife that much. Like, like that's the, like. Uh, Art Briles is like,
0: holy shit! Like, you're an enabling monster, man. It's yeah, exactly. It's like Freeze is like it's kind of a hilarious dog and pony show, and the lack of self awareness makes it funnier. To her. Briles is kind of like, oh, this guy might be evil.
1: Yeah, he's a he's an actual super. Like Hugh Freeze is like a Scooby Doo villain that gets caught or whatever, and Briles is. Art art (laughs) briles.
2: Yeah, there's not I mean yeah, he's Hugh Freeze is much more in the Bobby Petrino line that well, Bobby Petrino might be a weird confluence of both of those things. The University of Louisville in the the early to mid-aughts with Bobby Petrino, Rick Petino, and fucking john shatner literally running the shots there to be a fly on the wall in some of those like higher athletic board meetings i mean like like y- you have three insane like psychopathic horny narcissists that are just throwing money and influence around the entire school but legitimately running this entire town i, I
1: you know it's so funny too Bobby Petrino left Louisville for the Falcons job, got fired from the Falcons, left the Falcons job early in the year they were doing terrible, went to Arkansas, went to a Sugar Bowl, and then won a Cotton Bowl at Arkansas. Crashed his motorcycle, took a year off, went to Western Kentucky for a year, and was back at Louisville. And Rick Petrino was there the whole time. (laughs) I'm
2: telling you, basketball runs that fucking state, dude. It is insane.
0: They do. They need I, an I, NBA I, team in Louisville, to be honest. What? They need an NBA team in Louisville. That is a hoop state. Like that I always thought like it's southern that if they had good football, that might take precedent, but that is a hoop state through and through.
2: Try to get the NBA PA to uh vote for Louisville over Las Vegas.
0: Group. Las Vegas and Seattle are getting teams.
2: Yeah, that would be fun. Move the fucking Grizzlies and the Pelicans back to the East and let me not have to play uh, the Spurs 600 times a year.
1: (laughs) So, fellas, um, as as Andrew knows, as a Baton Rouge resident, and as I know as an Alabama alum, it's supposedly a big game this weekend. Uh, Alabama was supposed to go down to Baton Rouge and play the Louisiana State University Fighting Tigers. Uh, which, you know, seemed like it was a go since Coach O told the media that his entire team got COVID over the off season. I heard he kissed
2: every single one of them on the mouth.
1: On the mouth, on the mouth. And and then reports came out today.
2: Hey, Pete, I don't mean – we, we can get uh, – I just want to put a mental note here. Uh, I don't think we've recorded since that Coach O picture came out, speaking of Coach O kissing things on- <laughs> We'll talk about that later, though.
1: Let's just,
0: let's just run down the list of Coach O stuff because we also have not – we also have not potted since they got beat 48 to 3 by a really not very good Auburn team. 48 to 3.
2: All right, KP, lead us lead us into this this uh this postmortem, this pre-postmortem somehow.
1: So obviously Coachro says all he's a good recruiter, right? So he knows how to say all the right things, make people feel good, make you think they're on the right track. And then they make Bo Nix look like an All-American quarterback for three-and-a-half quarters. I say three-and-a-half quarters because he got subbed out in the middle of the fourth uh, because they were kicking LSU's ass so bad. Uh, Sometime just before that, Coach L was pictured with what could only be a sophomore KD um, in some (laughs) some resort swimming pool. Um, And today, uh, Monday afternoon, reports came out that LSU may not meet the available player threshold for Saturday's game against Alabama, which I think it's an LSU's best interest just to not have that game play personally. Um, But but yeah, Coach L is a a few minutes, a few positive tests away from what going two and seven.
2: (laughs) No, KP, because I have a college game day helmet duct tape to a colander and I'll be suiting up at quarterback for the Tigers this weekend.
1: Oh, thank God. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I i mean I, I got a text actually after the auburn game from a friend of the pod miles bergeron and he i, I think it was just some version of you were right i was wrong um and this <laughs> this is after uh the auburn game discussing uh gene chizik uh less or um, ed orgeron comparisons but um this is uh This is only me coming from a place of humility after I've had to internalize my own Kirby Smart Mark Rick comparisons uh, this past weekend.
1: LSU has to cook the books and just admit more positive tests, right? I mean, the report came out they have one scholarship quarterback. That automatically puts a bounty on him. I don't know if they realize that, but they have one available quarterback for the game this week.
2: May not look all that dissimilar from some of their offenses in the early to mid 2000s.
1: True, but just saying there's only one quarterback that just puts like a big like oh uh, yeah hit here sign on TJ Finley's knees. They they can't yeah. play that game.
2: <laughs> if that didn't get hit like Aaron Murray in the SEC championship in 2012?
1: But every play.
0: yeah. <laughs> How much we, uh, This might be my favorite conversation we have doing this pod is the the constant O updates because I find the story fascinating. Like. How much? What does twenty twenty one look like for Orgeron? Because watching that Auburn game, I just like that could decided for me. I think Ole Miss is going to beat the shit out of LSU because they ca- Auburn came in there. And, like, Ole Miss blew that game late, and I was like, yeah, okay, Ole Miss' defense sucks, but, like, Auburn was very underwhelming. Like, the storyline out of that game is like, if Ole Miss could have gotten one stop on defense, like, they they would have been fine. And then all, LSU plays just a complete non-competitive game from the start. So if this thing goes that south, how many wins do they have? Do they have two? One, two, two. Maybe Carolina and Vandy. Okay. So if that goes two and seven or two and eight, what does 2021 look like for Ed? Like, how much – capital does his national championship buy you if things are going south that quickly two years we've seen it yeah, yeah like I, <laughs> you know, is he I, I, in 2022 or twenty twenty one?
2: and like this is the take of a guy who works from home and spends fucking 30 hours a day terminally online but like there there isn't a life pre-pandemic like it is reset ev- Like like i know it really does it, it sounds stupid but like we're not able to properly analyze things pre-February of this year. And, like, I do think that is going to bleed over into the sports realm. Like, I I think people have completely discounted – maybe it feels different if you went into a national championship. I, I truly wouldn't know. But, like, it, I think that when you turn around a national championship and you put everything into this fucking COVID vacuum, like – you don't come out of it like like we said a couple episodes ago i think a 2 and 8 season is further on the scale of bad than somehow a 15 and 0 maybe best team ever is on the scale of good and i don't know how that's possible but like if you go into 2022 or 2021 on the hot seat like i think that's what that indicates
1: yeah i mean if you look at a school like lsu well no not a school like lsu has Won four national championships in history under four different coaches and kind of four pretty different times of in college football in terms of the way it's evolved. So O's not indispensable in that front. You know, if same thing with Auburn in a way. Auburn won like in the late I think fifty seven or so, and they were undefeated in 04 and they won again in twenty ten. Uh, th- th- that's why Auburn's so quick to put their coaches on the hot seat as well. Uh, uh, o has to win 10 games next year right I, maybe nine but he does not have a long leash Unless he's done it with maybe a worse coach than orgeron <laughs> in Los miles we n- never know but he's not you know he's not the crown jewel of that program they'll do it again without him is and they'll be quick to prove it too
0: i agree i think it's got to be nine and three and it depends on how the nine and three looks and but is is Bo Bellini the worst hire a head coach has made for a coordinator that has a national championship ring? I realize there is zero way to quantify this or answer this accurately, but I can't remember a just a more perplexing and just really just kind of disgusting hire from a results perspective from a guy who just won a Natty. How does that happen? They and, and,
1: they the, don't they don't look like they know what they're doing uh, on defense. But how did we
0: not? I didn't criticize the Bo Pelini hire at the time. Honestly, I got to August and I'd forgotten it had happened. Like, how did this slip by without everyone being like, "What the fuck is this?" I
1: thought it was a fun hire. Like, you know, it was whatever. It's Bo Pelini. It's all cool. But Jesus Christ, it's bad. It's really bad.
2: Well, so here's my question: Is like. And I understand that this is like saying, well, without fucking California, Joe Biden would have wouldn't have won the presidency or whatever. But like <laughs> uh, agree. But like Stop the you know, without without the national championship last year, though, is Orgeron like fired like mid-season?
1: Maybe not mid end of season for sure. If Orgeron just goes like eight and four last year and this season is happening, I mean, not a- I'm not even
2: talking about that. I'm talking about like what if they would have gone 11 and two lost the sec championship and won the fiesta bowl or something like, like I'm talking about like had they had their 2018 season where they beat UCF in the fiesta bowl and then just not had last year. And then they go into this. Like I I guess my, my overall point is like coaches don't survive these type of seasons at these schools. Like, like I don't think this is a uniquely LSU thing. I think this is, 15 programs across the country like if if you follow if you don't follow up a three and nine season or whatever the fuck you're going to end up with like if, if that isn't the year that gets you fired I, I, I guess zooming out like Chiswick, Chizik would not have gotten fired for going three and nine had he won the national championship the year prior instead of two years prior but since he did it like like Orgeron I think would be gone right now and I think will be gone in the middle. Like, if they lose a third game before the Alabama game in 2021, I think he's fired before the end of the season.
1: I don't even know if it gets that far. I think it's like uh, LSU in 2016. If he starts 2-2 and and they do not look good in the two losses, I mean, that's it. It's it's over.
2: It may be one of the most insane, like, coaching. I mean, like, the Ed Orgeron case study is – is unlike literally any other coach in the history of college football.
1: I, I hate to bring up the man's personal life, but I did see a tweet over the offseason. It's like, you know, never bet on a coach that's going through a divorce. And it's it, we've seen it throughout. I mean, Florida State was fine. I mean, 10-3 and three was a down year for them in 2016. And then the wheels fell off immediately, like, as Jimbo was going through that. it's there, There's a track record of this. Yeah, so, that, 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 that,
2: is, that is some – weekly college football-ass shit, too. (laughs) The only sport. You know why, though? Like we said earlier, because only in college football can fucking pictures go viral of your head coach who's worth $100 million hooking up with a fucking 22-year-old.
0: So i would not to shame whoever that woman was, but when that photo got circulated to me, every group text I was in, there was a heated debate about her age and how old she was. Is that confirmed to be a college-age person? Because you could make the argument that, like, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what argument you can make. All I'm saying, there was a lot of talk and discussion and uncertainty about how old that lady actually was. Was she actually that college-age? Is that confirmed?
1: As someone that was recently in college, she looks college-age.
0: Ed Ed Orgeron is 59
2: years old. I would bet every penny in my bank account that that woman was not half his age.
1: what's the, what's the rule that we need codified uh, in u.s law half your age plus seven yeah it, but that, that needs to be federal way law way. i'm sorry
2: so half your age plus seven for coach O is that's a 60 year old dating a 37 year old? that's my dad dating a 37 year
1: old it's no that like it's weird but that's fu- that's better than this <laughs>
2: can't be, there can't be, any, like, my dad is in his 60s. There can't be anyone like that's, like, a, an apt date, a suitable dating candidate for both of us. That shouldn't exist. That's
1: like Tom and Gail Benson though, and you know, whatever. they and it's, well,
2: Benson it's suck. <laughs> it just And apparently Gail Benson sucks too.
1: Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, if O oh, with a 37 year old makes a lot more sense. It makes me cringe a little bit less than whatever this was. I guess it was over the offseason. I don't know when he find time to do this in season Uh, if he was doing it in season it'd make a lot more sense as to (laughs) why they're two and four right now but yeah that's how i see it i don't know could be wrong
2: coming across coach o on tinder
1: that was a tinder ass picture that (laughs)
2: That That but like that's also like a like that's not a picture that you take when things are going fine fa- like, like if you're just like cheating on your wife or like you have a a, a, a SEC championship to go compete for uh, you are you were doing the deed getting out and going home you are not like drunk sitting around being like posing oh, for I'm, pictures old on, on the internet
0: yeah how does that picture get out like he's obviously looking at the camera it's not a sneak attack like how does he allow that picture to be taken? I,
2: yeah. And it's like, obviously, this picture is going to be used by this 19 year old. Again, she gets younger every time I say something. I can't go. <laughs> into that. But, um, the, 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 yeah. Like, how do you not? You're the most famous man in this town. What what do you think is going to happen with it?
1: You know, he you had do to do have it? not had his faculties to even pose for a picture like that. Uh, because there was what the, remember the Julian Edelman selfie after one of those Patriots Super Bowls, And it's like, that made sense. Cause he was asleep, rolled over to the other side. That's whatever. Oh, is was looking right into the camera, smiling his ass off. <laughs> yeah. How was it for a Christmas card?
2: <laughs> oh, oh man. What a Christmas, uh, a Christmas card to Baton Rouge that this, uh, I, I, I will say that, uh, for LSU fans, at this point, you have to embrace things like that because it's just jokes at this point. Like you had you have a coach that speaks like he, he eats breakfast nothing but gravel and nails, uh, a guy that people just universally chide as a hire because he's been nothing other than a disappointment at Ole Miss and then a mild success as two interims, probably just because like he chugs Red Bull and then wrestles the players before the games and then that guy loses Detroit burns all of the non-existent goodwill with the fan base puts together the greatest team that has ever happened gets a divorce immediately as the season ends gets a 50 million dollar payday and then just blows it all in the most beautiful like this man is a case study on how to, I think, go out on top.
0: Not to mention, like, starts dabbling in the political ring, like, talking to Trump about COVID and stuff, too. Like, he he really just broadened his horizons this past offseason. This was after, this was three months after doing fundraisers
2: for the Democratic governor for Louisiana. Like, what?
1: <laughs> this guy, I... I I mean, like, look, you you can't you can't stop the vibe. All right, just let Coach O vibe. Okay, that's that's what I'm getting from all of this. (laughs)
2: What I do, what I do, really appreciate about Coach O is like, there are so many people across college football, like coaches specifically. I mean, the Pruitts, the Muschamps, the Tom Hermans, like these guys that are like develop one strand of a personality, like develop something that isn't just like. I do nothing but ignore my wife and fucking yell at nineteen-year-olds. Like, 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 Cocho is a very real human being. Like, v- very loud, very politically active, very much wants people to know that he gets late. Like, like, he's just a very normal, dumb Southern Louisiana guy. You gotta,
1: you have to appreciate it with the keys to the most powerful economic vehicle in the state. <laughs>
0: Which is why when it's going well, he's actually likable. And then when it's going bad, he's easy to like shit on, I guess. Because right, like all these people do not like Ed Orgeron. But like I was captivated by that story last year. I was like, this is kind of awesome. And like he is real, if nothing else. Yeah.
1: But when it goes wrong, it's like I could do what he's doing now. He's just like, you know, just fucking and just having the best time of his life. Just you know, and <laughs> not worrying about his job. I could do that. I just do have time anyway.
2: It's the distilled, like, harmless version of, like, the Ravel tweet that he got shit on for of, I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content. Like, <laughs> as an LSU fan, I'd be like, I feel bad for you, but my God, it's got to be fun to watch this shit. <laughs> like, an absolutely – like, because if you weren't good, it wouldn't be fun. It would just be depressing, but, like – you have provided the highest of highs and the it, it really would be like if Hugh freeze won a fucking national championship like like like
0: happening mark it down somewhere
2: i i i, I think that uh if it really it really would be great if we found out that the college football playoff just does have this wildly religious bent and they let byU and uh and Liberty into the playoff while keeping the the western Michigans and the the UCFs of the world out
1: oh yeah it's uh very parochial up there uh with the CFP committee
2: yeah I mean it it the, the leaders of our country and the leaders of college football having a massively, massively uh, no. religious bias—I can't imagine. The,
1: the playoff is going to be Auburn, Notre Dame, Liberty, and BYU. Um, because, and, uh,
2: and they've actually added a fifth spot for Baylor.
1: Yeah, first off for Baylor, uh, because Auburn is probably the like, Auburn's a Baptist school for all intents and purposes. <laughs> they just can't say it out loud.
2: Oh yeah. The I mean Spencer Hall has had the most like prescient take of Auburn that I think there is, which is like everywhere Auburn fans go, like in their neighborhoods, at their home state, at the grocery store, like they are the minority, like they are the underdog, they are living their life in Alabama country. But at the moment, two thirty kicks on the planes. That stadium and that that city is nothing but the confluence of like redheaded stepchildren, like finding their own. I mean, <laughs> that age, it breeds insanity.
1: Uh, God, I-, I will never go back to an honorable at Jordan Hare. Not because you know I hate Auburn or the stadium so much, it's just weird over there, man. It's just really, really weird when the ball kicks off. And,
0: and oh, you know heck? what? I, I they're weird. It's Auburn State and AM, and they all have similarities. I don't know how many of the three y'all have been to, but that's the conclusion I've come to. It's like they're all weird in similar ways. It's the Ag School, and I don't know what it is about it.
1: Yeah, I've the, been I've been Auburn, all three and can't confirm, Rip.
0: <laughs> I haven't been to I've been to
2: State, but the Auburn the Auburn one, part of the weirdness of it is when you're playing post daylight saving time football. Where Auburn lies on the Central Time border of like like uh, the, yeah. the Time border is Georgia uh, is the Georgia Auburn state line, and so it gets dark there at literally like four fifteen, like in like November and December, mm-hmm. and so we have like the first half of a two thirty game start to get dark. Like it, it just doesn't feel like you like like it feels like you're playing a video or like a a football game in like a fucking halloween haunted house or something i don't know like it, it just feels like eerie shit is about to happen
0: and the way that stadium's constructed too it's like not your typical stadium like the huge monstrosity that goes straight up but it does get loud but it's also a strange kind of loud too i don't know to KP's point i don't can't really articulate it it's just strange
1: yeah, yeah it, it's not like you said, it, it's not the loudest stadium i've ever been in it's you know it's not the it's not the biggest state I've ever been in. They aren't even the weirdest fans I've ever come across. The weird—that's uh, probably state. To be honest, I found state fans to be even weirder than A and M. But continue. But Auburn, it, like A and M, they—they have an inferiority complex and they embrace it, right? And kind of same for state. Auburn has that little brother complex, but also like demanding you treat them as Alabama's equal. And it's like, no, y'all are seven and four. No, sorry, can't do it. Auburn would be like if the
2: Winklevoss twins were fraternal twins and one was like only 6'2", 200.
1: <laughs> That's perfect. That's awesome. Uh, not, all right? Auburn is one of the Winklevoss twins. I think we can leave on that now. <laughs> Y'all, thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, rate five stars. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: <laughs> Again, fake season.